0: Hello, welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santamaria back with you. And today, we're going to get an insight into MBL free agency. Uh, There have been some signings. There have even been a few announcements. And while it hasn't been as wild a free agency period as we've sometimes had before, that fails to tell the story of all the hard work being done behind the scenes right now by, by GMs, coaches, CEOs, agents, So to help us dive into all that, I've got Danny Mills on the show, the GM of Basketball Ops for the Perth Wildcats, Uh, one of the great blokes in basketball. Let's start there. Um, Danny was a baller in his own right as a younger man before making a name for himself in the scouting world of the NBA, first as an international scout for Philadelphia and then the director of scouting for the 76ers. And now he's one of the key decision-makers in the Wildcats front office. So sit back, relax. Up next, Danny Mills. Danny, good to see you, man. How are you going?
1: Yeah, Liam, really good, mate. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's always good to, always good to catch up with you and talk basketball. All good, man, all good.
0: Um, catching up over Zoom like this, it's not quite central barbecue in Memphis, but <laughs> That's it's, right. it's good nonetheless.
1: That's right. We were there. What was that? The um, uh, New Zealand Breakers were playing the Grizzlies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago. Probably three years. This is right before COVID. Man, yeah.
0: three years ago. 2019 now. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and just so you know, it is brutally cold in Melbourne right now. So if we get some interference from the rain that's belting down on my windows, <laughs> we just got to push through. Oh, good. Oh, good. I will
1: say it's about 20 degrees and sunny in first. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad for
0: June 1st. Yeah. Hey, I mentioned your playing days before. Um, AIS scholarship holder, junior Aussie rep. I'm sure you and I have had these chats uh, offline uh, over the years, but who were some of the, the teammates you had at the AIS and in, in the green and gold that went on to become big names in Aussie hoops?
1: Yeah, I was very fortunate uh, to have that year at the Institute. Um, I mean, the biggest name was Bogut, obviously. That was his first year there as well, 2002. Um, we actually had a really good group that went, we won the Siebel East and then went to the national final that year, which is um, really, really exciting. Um, I mean, Daniel Kickett, Reece Carter, Damien Martin, um. Yeah, Nick Campbell, you probably remember him back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we had a really, really talented group: Aaron bruce mm-hmm. um, Greg Vanderjack, and yeah, a lot of guys that went on to play at a high level collegiately and then obviously professionally. Alex marriage had an unbelievable EuroLeague career mm-hmm. back in the NBL and played the Olympics. And um. Yeah, those were definitely some some names that I was fortunate to to be a teammate of. And I went to college myself, not at the level of some of those guys, but went over there and then um. Never came back. <laughs> I was uh, until last year. Yeah. And who was running the show was it, was it Marty Clark? So Frank Arcego, who was his oh, last year as head coach, and Marty was the assistant yeah, and then Marty took over in 2003. Yeah. Did you get some run?
0: That's a stacked group.
1: Stacked group. Uh, I wouldn't say I was in the rotation. <laughs> um, I think there was 14 of us. Um, and so, nah, I was, uh, it was definitely a big step up for me. Uh, I had played, you know, state teams and had made the Albert Schweitzer tournament team in 2002. So I went wow. to Mannheim, which is really fun. Um, yeah, definitely um, a competitive group. And like you said, a pretty, pretty stacked group of names. When you look back on Australian basketball history and what some of those guys have done and New Zealand.
0: Shout out Frank Arcego, New Zealand Breakers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw Frank in Mackay, Queensland. He was coaching the ACT and the 20 men's team. Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic yeah. to see him still going around. Yeah. All
0: right. So what's, I mentioned free agency before signings, announcements. Uh, what's your general read from, I guess, from a behind the scenes perspective on the current sort of state of play in this year's free agency? Yeah,
1: it's interesting, um, and I think you mentioned it. It's definitely slower than maybe what people anticipated. Um, I think what you're seeing is there's these tier one free agents that are out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, half of them, maybe resigned with the with the with their teams um, already, and so they didn't move. And then the other half are good enough where they're going to wait for opportunities. And obviously, they have a market the NBL and always will, but they're looking at the NBA, they're looking at Europe, they're looking at Asia, Japan like that's a market now that's, um, you know, some of the salaries there are just um, something that NBL teams can't compete with. So these guys have those opportunities and rightfully so they're free agents. And so they can, they can wait. And then that's, that's, I think that's probably stagnating a little bit where teams then are looking at the tier two, tier three guys Mm -hmm. that you need, but you don't want to use up all your salary cap on that. And then some of these other guys become available down the track. But also if you wait for these guys and then they don't, Eventuate, and they sign overseas, then you're back to back to square one anyway. So it's uh, it's it's an interesting period. It is. Um, so you got to have multiple plans and multiple um, scenarios when you're going to pull triggers on on different players. Makes it tricky.
0: Makes it really tricky to know. Kind of like, all right, well, who who do I sign as these guys that are going to maybe be a part of you know our reserve unit, um, but. At the same time, you're trying to balance the salary cap. Make sure you've got it available. You're talking. I presume you're talking there about guys like the, the guys like Duop, Reek, Joe Lawala Chul and Fin Delaney. These guys who haven't re-signed anywhere in the NBL and are kind of exploring maybe NBA, like you said, Europe, Asian opportunities. Um, is what's the what's the kind of strategy then with with those kind of guys? Is it? Um, and I, I chatted with Chase Buford a little bit about this before as he's kind of got a few guys with their squad in that situation um, is it all right look we're interested but we'll wait or like, can we negotiate a deal that has like some some outs that we can talk about is it a mix of all of the above
1: yeah I, I think a mix of all the above for sure i think there's multiple discussions that you have to take and there's a risk with all of it like you said maybe there's outs um, that they can go to you know wait through summer league to a certain date to then mm-hmm. get it nba or a european offer um but then again like then, then you fall back and if, if it doesn't eventuate then you're back to square one and so you got to really weigh up like who's still out there who do you really prioritize and kind of how you how you go about it and at some point there's a there's a moment in time we like we have just got to make a move yeah um so yeah it's it, I, I agree with you. it's very it's, it's, it's interesting uh this is my first free agency obviously came into the job last year but free agency had already been done yep um and so getting an understanding of it and how quickly it happens after the season and then kind of all the dynamics around it like you said is uh, is really really interesting
0: what's the read from a, a gm a basketball perspective at the moment on um like depth within certain positions? Is there a scarcity at the moment out there in terms of local bigs or local wings or local guards?
1: Um, I think it's been, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. So there's, I wouldn't say there's a scarcity at any one position, but there's definitely guys that you would, you have to build around local talent. You're doing mm-hmm. this league and and then you fill in with your Americans and, and we, you know, we're fortunate we've got local talent that we've re-signed um and we've got our we've got a core here that we that we wanted to keep together Um, and then you want to continue to add younger pieces that are locals so uh non non non-restricted so australian and new zealand players that you want to put around put around those guys and grow them as well and so um, yeah, I think you're always looking at the market. You know, there's there's the there's the college kids that are coming back, and you look at that every year, and which guys are going to come back early potentially, which guys are seniors, which guys are now graduates. So there's there's multiple angles to it, and then and then there's the NBL one. You know, the NBL one league that's definitely starting to to take off, and um, um, I would say in, in producing yeah more probably DP to bottom roster level players,
0: but there's there's enough talent in there that you have to be aware of all of it for sure and there's there's so many nbl players playing in the nbl1 this year and the fact that it's kind of like it's a centralized system now with all the leagues you can watch them all from your lounge room uh live of, of a saturday or a friday or a sunday afternoon is that is the fact that all of those nbl players are playing and it's lifted the stand of the nbl1 as a result so making i think does that make it easier for someone in your position to scout that league where it's a bit of a less of a guessing game about, or how much, yeah, they're they're showing this at this standard, but it's a big leap up. Whereas a lot of times right now you can actually see these guys going up against NBL talent.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And so, yeah, when you, when you are evaluating guys and looking at the numbers they're producing statistically, then you can, kind of look at it and be like, All right, who, who have they played against that's an NBL player and how did they go or what are those NBL players producing and how does it compare to this prospect and right. kind of, how's that it, how's it going to translate to the next level? Because it, it is a massive step, NBL one to NBL, but um, I think it is closing, you know, the gaps closing for sure, than maybe three, four years ago from, from where it was. Um,
0: let's Let's dive in a little bit more into what you guys have got done. Already, and the big one, of course, is Bryce' new three-year deal for the three-time MVP. Um, congrats on getting that done. Take us, take us behind the scenes on the process of of how you guys got that done.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, fantastic food for the club. I mean, it's always, I mean, Bryce is Bryce. Like we we obviously wanted him around, and the maximum you can sign a guy for is three years, and uh, we wanted to get that done. And so that was. Um, you know, obviously that was a goal of the club and we were super fortunate to, to have that happen right after the season and to, and to get some clarity that, you know, we wanted Bryce here. Bryce wanted to be here long-term um, and yeah, just fantastic for the team. Obviously he's, he's in demand globally. You know, it's a guy that could go play anywhere in, in the world and um, for him to commit um, for another three years, which will bring him up to nine years with the one club, shows you a lot about him and his loyalty but also about Perth and kind of what what the organization's built here over the, over the long term.
0: What kind of offers or interest from from what kind of places around the world did he turn up to re-sign with you guys this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any of that. I'm not going to probably
1: divulge any, any, any of that. Um, that's obviously him and his agent. Um, I'm sure they're always in contact and I'm sure he's always had opportunities, but I, I do think Bryce has a... Um, has a sense of comfortability here in Perth and what he's built and what he's, what he's helped built. And, and obviously there was a big change, like Trevor Gleeson left and that's the only coach he'd had here. And Scott came in and mm-hmm. I think he really enjoyed playing in his system. And I think he really sees, um, sees value in where the club's trending, you know, obviously, um, you know, there were, like I said, there was big changes and, and we didn't achieve the goals we set out to, but I think there's the belief there that like this thing's still going in the right direction and we're building it for the long term.
0: Um, You guys have that unique situation now where you talk about how you build around your locals. You you guys build around your locals and Bryce, which kind of gives you a kind of a starting point to to move on from. And part of that process was what you've done with Kyle Zunick, elevating him to the fully contracted roster, um, two-year, new two-year deal for him. Was, Was there a chance that you might lose him, do you think, if you didn't elevate him this season? Um, I think Kyle definitely turned some heads and I think
1: he's always been a guy that teams have have had interest in, obviously played four years at Winthrop and was in the Australian junior programs before that. Um, We loved what Kyle brought this year, um, both on and off the court. He's just a pro and you can tell he's he's an incredibly mature young man uh, for 23 um, and came in and and, and took every opportunity he could and obviously probably would have liked to have played more maybe um, overall and what we saw throughout practice and throughout the year and then his chance to play with the boomers, um, in that those qualifiers, um, for us solidified, like, this is a guy we want to have around the club and, um, long, long term. And for us, it was like, we want to reward guys that, um, we want to invest in. And, um, Kyle's definitely one of them. And we think he's got a, got a really bright future and, um, and we wanted that to be in, in, in Perth and, and he was, um, uh, he had the same mindset. He wanted to be in Perth and we just wanted to make it work for both. So elevating him um, was something that, yeah, just made sense on, on, on both accounts. Uh,
0: another one of those guys who, um, you know, like you guys, you want to build around and, and, and reward and stay loyal to and wants to do the same with you guys as Todd Blanchfield. New yeah. three-year deal. Um, what pleases you the most about getting that done with Todd? Yeah, it gives us stability.
1: It does. And it gives us a core... Um, of our perimeter guys, you've got Mitch Norton, you've got Bryce, you've got Todd, and they're all in the in the prime of their careers. They're all late 20s, early 30s, and these are guys that want to be in Perth. They've been here, before, they've been here for two years each at least. Um, and these are guys that myself and the coaching staff looked at. we like, we want to bring them back. Um, obviously, there's unfinished business. We wanted to bring them back and continue to build around them. And um, for us to be able to get that done, Todd had interest around the league, obviously, and again, was a free agent and, and wanted to go to market and, and, and look at his options. Um, but we were really, really happy that he, that he chose to stay in Perth. And um, I think he would say the same thing. He wanted to be here and he just wanted to come in from the club and um, we're glad we got that done.
0: Um, while we're just on the topic of the of the names, the guys on the roster that you brought back and the like, what's the latest... With regards to Vic Law, all NBL first team last season, um, absolute stud in this league. And I imagine a lot of Wildcats fans just like praying and hoping that you guys are able to bring him back. But it's not as simple as just getting that done with a guy like that. And and you guys, I think back 12... 12 months ago or so, you guys took a bit of a chance on him with with regards to his injury. You recognised the talent mm. and the personality and how he would be a great match. And I remember just singing the praises of the signing in terms of him and his um, the potential partnership with Bryce and how well that would go. But he was having some injury struggles at the time. He finished the season with with injury struggles. But at the same time, he put a lot of production on the board to show what he can do back to the States and around the rest of the world. What's the latest in your conversations with him and his reps?
1: Yeah, Vic was unbelievable for us. Like you said, um, perfect fit with Bryce in our system and obviously had an um, all-NBL first-team season along with Bryce. So we had two of them in the the top five in the league, which was exciting. And offensively, um, yeah, it was incredible. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, would love to... um, To have someone like Vic come back, but he's also got opportunities everywhere. Like he's, he's going to have multiple opportunities overseas, um, whether that's in Europe, in Asia, I'm sure there's going to be NBA looks for him and whether that makes sense in terms of what, what they are, um, and so, yeah, I mean, Vic was great. Vic, Vic was really good on and off the floor. We, we loved having him around and um, was, a, was a really big, big big part of the team this year. And so, yeah, if there's if there's any way that it can come to fruition, um, obviously Vic's, Vic's right up there in terms of guys we'd love to bring back.
0: You mentioned before about how last season didn't go the way you wanted. And that was for a variety of reasons, some within your control as a club and some a lot from that were outside of your control. What did you guys, you and Scott and the ownership group and um, Troy Georgiou, the CEO, what did you guys take away from the review process following the end of of that season?
1: Yeah, I mean, we came into a a situation that was, um, there were challenges for sure. Myself getting hired, we hired Scott, and then the, the, the challenge of just getting him in the country. I mean, he was he was coaching on Zoom up until he got to Tasmania for the Blitz. He didn't meet the team in person until the day before our first game of the Blitz, which is a month before the season started. So yeah. just from the get-go, there was behind the eight ball, I guess. And then throughout the year, um, I thought that the way the guys handled – I mean, we had 11 weeks straight on the road, fourteen straight road games. We went 9-5. and five. Um the team handled that exceptionally well, as you would expect a professional club like Perth would, and, and the players that we have here. It was incredible to see how they handled that. Um, and then things snowballed towards the end of the year. Um, injuries. Um, obviously, we we uh, we tried to bring in an, an import um, replacement, and that that didn't that that wasn't allowed through through FIBA rules. They got. 21 days to get a letter of clearance approved, you know, just, you know, just didn't happen. And, um, there's just a lot of, a lot of things that didn't go our way. And then obviously, you know, the, 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 um, the last two games were, were difficult, you know, um, the, a lot of pressure on the group and obviously without Vic, it was always going to be an uphill battle and, uh, it was difficult. And so, yeah, we had fantastic, uh, player exit and staff exit, um, meetings, um, in a in a processed way that 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 we came out of it feeling like there were a lot of things out of our control, there were things in our control that maybe we didn't do as well as we could have, and these are all learnings to go forward with and, and continue to build on the uh, incredible legacy of the Wildcats have built, and that's exactly what we want to do.
0: John Brown the Third goes down as like one of the great what ifs of NBL history, <laughs> and I mean I laugh about it, but it's no laughing matter from your pers- perspective. I mean what what did you break around the house when you eventually got the word that (laughs) nah, it wasn't happening and you weren't going to be able to get him on court?
1: Yeah, there were multiple weeks of sleepless nights, um, trying to figure out a way that we could get a fever letter of clearance. Um, disappointing how it all ended. Um, he had unilaterally terminated his contract in, in Russia and it just took, went through a process that, that took too long. And, um, incredibly disappointing but um yeah it would have been a fantastic signing for the league it's just a um, yeah and so he's obviously uh a, 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 all you league level big and um yeah so yeah that was um frustrating but a learning experience like again you know what one of those things where you, you you take what you can from it and you and you move on there were things out of our control there and
0: yeah you go forward what about uh, looking forward? Speaking of looking forward, the, the the strategy of kind of building your roster this season. Last year, chatting with you, you the the focus for you guys or kind of like the the guiding lights were versatility and and perimeter scoring. Um, what have you tinkered with that overarching strategy heading into next year, or is it much the same as that? Just trying to um, uh, change the personnel
1: slightly? Yeah, obviously we're going to have to change some personnel
0: um, and, and that'll include
1: obviously some of the um, the imports. And I think, yeah, in retrospect, obviously we still want to play up and down versatile type basketball. And in Scott's system, I mean, we're the number one offense in the league um, and obviously having Bryce and Vic is a big part of that. Um, but in, in other ways, um, yeah, like I think filling defensively having a having a having better rim protection, better defensive rebounding, more of a paint presence. And then on the other end, having a a roller lob target that can, you know, finish around the rim and put pressure on on, on the defense that way is probably something um, that that we'll look to address. Um, but in general, yeah, like we we've got our core, like we talked about, already re-signed. And it's about putting these pieces in that are going to really fit in with with those guys who already have come back.
0: It's funny because when you look at the team that won the title, um, they were built around versatility of perimeter scoring.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, Sydney, Sydney had an incredible, incredible roster when you look through it, you know, from from one through 11. Um, and yeah, like you said, they had incredible two guards um, with Adams and Clark and then, and then their Australian talent, you know, DJ and Xavier. And, and obviously, I think, Uh, Martin was really really underrated and maybe maybe the key to their success
0: let's dive in a little bit more into like the um the the process of free agency and the process of building a roster for you this is as you were saying before like you got to be involved in an element of that last season with the timing but very much from the get-go this year and I guess it's hard to pinpoint like a starting point because the process of, of scouting and, and um, you know, evaluating talent goes on all, all season. You're talking about being in Mackay that was happening during the, the post season last year. And you can't just sit there and watch the team play. You've got to make sure you're looking to the next bunch of talent coming ahead. But I imagine the starting point was, I mean, what is there a, a, a meeting that you can point to? Is there a, a, a moment where you go, okay, cool. Let's all sit down. Scott, um, let's you and I sit down and make sure we know. Is there a war room with, with whiteboard and and lists? How do you guys, as a club, go about the starting point of heading in towards free agency?
1: Yeah, like you said, it's an ongoing evaluation that you're always you've always got lists. You've always got your free agent list for the NBL, and then obviously your list of college returners potentially, and then your overseas guys will be restricted imports and. I think you're always evaluating the roster. Uh, obviously, during the season, there's not a lot of levers to pull in the NBL to, to improve your roster. Right. So there's not there's no trade period. You're not trading picks. There's no draft that you can prepare for to get young talent in that you can pick. You have to go and recruit it. Um, and so, yeah, that's that, that's ongoing. Um, in terms of, like, in-house, yeah, once, once the season finished and we did sit down as a staff and we've got priorities of, like, this is what we feel we need. These are the four areas that we feel like we need to get better at. These are the available players in the market at the moment in terms of locals, uh, free agents, and then guys that are either overseas or coming back from college. And, and how do we go about it? How do we prioritize it? And so definitely there's always discussions going on. Um, big part of it is a lot of calls. So you're calling a lot of people about background on guys and intel. And, and that's probably something I took from, from my time with Philadelphia in the, in the NBA is, is gathering that information um but again like being in the seat for nine months now and it's definitely an ongoing process and um yeah definitely uh, continuing to set up more of a a, um a a functional front office structure here where where it's um it's it's more process driven and and we're making the right decisions at the right time
0: um the you're talking out there about the background checking and, 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 and identifying talent that you're after. Once you guys identify a free agent that you're interested in, and, and I guess here I'm asking you on behalf of like all the GMs and CEOs and coaches around the league who do who do this work, not necessarily specific to the Wildcats, but what, what next? What happens next? So you've got a guy at the top of your list. So you know what? That's the guy we want to look into first. Do those background checks happen before you touch base? With the agent, is it a is it a call to the agent or a text first to say, "Hey, just touching base, keen to know what sort of situation he's looking for." What happens once you guys identify a player of interest?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the the agent comes into it pretty quick just to get an understanding of whether they even have interest, um, whether they would they would look at our situation, what what they're looking for, um, and then to potentially, yeah, whether it's uh, set up a call with him, or or when the times times right, you set up a call with the player as well. Um, once the agency starts, and you and you now it's obviously a lot of it's Zoom, and so, um, yeah, all of those things come into it in terms of just yeah gathering information early, and then and then making sure that like you're targeting the guys that you feel are going to fit the needs going forward.
0: You weren't uh, in the front office per se as a, as a GM or assistant GM at the NBA level, but you were, man, you were with the 76ers and that organization for a long stretch and worked yourself up to a really senior position and saw all of the mechanisms of how it all worked pretty, pretty close up. How, how does the process of recruiting free agents in the NBL differ, do you think, from the process that takes place in the NBA? Yeah, definitely. Definitely
1: different. Um, yeah, obviously the MBA, obviously you have a a salary cap as well, but there's guys that are looking for long-term long-term commitments on a lot of money where here it's obviously at a different, much different level. Um, and so, yeah, I would say it's definitely a lot more intense there in terms of who you're targeting and the work that goes into that all year, as opposed to here, we're just, we're using the resources we have, um, and kind of how we can use them best to then target the guys that we want to get. Um, and so it's it's definitely on a on on a minor league scale of, of of what it is in the NBA. And there's definitely not as many players. You know, you've only got a, a, a ten teams with eleven rostered guys. So um, yeah, eighty eight. You know, eighty eight players, and maybe a third of them are into free agency, or mm-hmm. you know, close to the half, maybe. Um, and so yeah, it's a lot smaller pool of players. and um, and, and then you're looking at the guys who actually really, really prioritise and like. And so it's a, it's a really small, and then you've got nine other teams that might want them as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's very, it's, it's interesting. The, the list is a lot smaller.
0: Yeah, right. Um, and so I imagine like some of these guys, if they're hot property in in the NBL free agent market, like it's it's a very large percentage of the teams that are going to be, tr- you know, in the mix to try to try to get that guy. I think about, for instance, I think about, and I've been talking about him a little bit recently. I think about a guy like Tom Verduyn, for example, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Are, a lot of clubs I think in the last three or four weeks have looked at him on the free agent list. And you go, you know what? It's the kind of guy we need as a yeah. backup four or five, you know, who's who's. And I spoke about him the other night. He's tough and rugged and gritty. And everyone's looked at what happened with the Jack Jumpers last season, and they want to have make sure that they've got elements of that on their roster. I'm going to say more than half of the teams in the league we're talking to Tom Vadanovic and his representatives and and trying to get that done. Now, I don't know whether you guys were in that mix or not, but it's that, that certainly when you're talking about NBA free agents, it doesn't get to anywhere near that kind of percentage of the overall competition.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said, you're, the guy is leading the current situation. There's only nine other t- clubs that can go get him. And so you're right. Um, more than half the league or potentially, most of the league is after these same kind of guys. So you really got to sell your situation and and the opportunities that are there. And um, and that's probably the biggest thing is these guys feeling comfortable that the next place they're moving to is, is the right spot, not just for them, but also for, for the family.
0: And just bringing it back to you guys a little bit, um, you, I'm presuming the starting point is, or is always kind of what you already have. We spoke about that a little bit before, about your locals, you got Bryce, and you guys have got an interesting situation because... You look at what you've got and you go, well, okay, we've got a, a, a tough, rugged, defensive-minded local point guard, and a high-scoring, uber-elite import too. Now, most, a lot of the other teams, they have that import playmaking one, and then the local two. How how does that impact on on you guys? Then is it is that does it? It's a bit of a unique type of setup, and you guys have had it that way since way before you because it was Damian Martin, right? And then it was right. those other um, uh, Dollar Beal and these kind of guys in that, in that two spot. H- how does that create a bit of a starting point for you guys with what you've already got?
1: Yeah, I think we're really fortunate to have someone like, like Mitch that's an um, experienced, strong, rugged, defensive-minded lead guard that complements Bryce perfectly. You know he's he's big enough to to cover twos, um, can handle the the opposing one, and and give Bryce the the room and the freedom to to, to kind of um, get going offensively on that end. And to have those guys work so well together, and to continue to bring them through, um, coming into their prime, I think is really exciting. Um So yeah, I think we're fortunate there. And then it gives you the opportunity. Then you've got obviously two other. Import spots to use um, and then you, you got to choose what, what you do with them. And, you know, whether it's um, it's a four and a five or whether it's an, a, another experienced wing, like you said, they've had guys through here that have kind of paired up with Bryce on the wing there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very fortunate situation we're in here definitely with the stability
0: going forward. You know, what would make it even more amazing though is to have a local PG and a local shooting guard. if if somebody can just get those papers signed for Bryce Cotton and get his citizenship sorted Um, change of government in Canberra now different people at the helm in some of those positions. What is there an update? Like what, because it's such a potential game changer for you guys from a roster construction perspective, what's the latest word on where that could potentially get to?
1: Yeah. Like you said, change of government. Um, there is, there, there's really no updates right now, um, that we can, that that there's anything to discuss there, but I I'm with you, like unbelievable game changer (laughs) and obviously coming into this role, like the attractiveness of that and when it's going to happen is huge Mm. for our construction. So, um, yeah, it's kind of beyond our control a little bit right now. We're still waiting with the government, um, on it. Um, but yeah, when that happens, it's going to be a fantastic day for, for for the Wildcats organization.
0: You said at the start that it's a beautiful day in Perth. Is it? Is there a chance you're actually in Canberra? Like, I'm so. If I was you, <laughs> I would be in Canberra mm. because it's not only like what the three other imports, but from the luxury tax perspective as well. He slides, slides into a marquee spot. Mm. Are there? You talk about the levers that you can and can't pull in the MBL from constructing your roster. Are there any levers that can be pulled or haven't quite been um, addressed yet to try and get this done?
1: Um, oh, trust me, there's there's a lot <laughs> going on behind behind the scenes to, yeah. to get this to get this sped up for sure. Um, so yeah, we're we're doing absolutely everything we can, honestly, as you would imagine you would in, in this position. And so we're we're hopeful, but um, again, some of it is partly out of our hands as well.
0: You mentioned, just to finish up, a couple of quick questions to finish up. You mentioned a little while ago, no stone unturned. There'll no stone unturned in our process of kind of putting the, the team together. I think that quote was maybe with when you were asked about potentially next stars and the like. Um, what does that mean for you right now on a, on a day-to-day basis? I mean, is this, is this the busiest time of the year for you personally in your role?
1: Yeah, I think postseason has been for sure because that's when you you know you, you're doing your all your ex interviews and then you're quickly into like all right, what's how are we preparing for next season? And obviously you've already started preparing, but like it's it's real free agencies coming and you can actually sign guys. So for sure, no, we're we're working um, hard and long, and we're just trying to really um, trying to really put a, a roster on the floor next year that we think is going to be you know just as competitive to. To realise our goals, like our goals to win a championship, um, yeah. we we fell short of it this year, and um, that's that's something that we're really p- putting a lot of hours into looking at. Whether it's you know the locals that are left, or you know focusing now on you know which of the which of the restricted guys we can go and go and look at, and, and, and will fit the roster we have currently put together.
0: Uh, summer league, back to summer league this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll get over there. So which is which is good. It'll be. Um, yeah, good to get back to the states and uh, and see a lot of familiar faces. And then um, you know, hopefully by then maybe we've we've signed one or two guys. But if not, then you've got a whole um, a whole set of players out there that are that are looking for. Most of them are looking for for international um, clubs to to sign them. So that'll be an exciting part of it, being on that side of it as opposed to going there before um, for the Sixers when you're looking, you know, w- watching your team that's there and, and following talent that's going to be into the G League or the NBA the
0: next year. You've seen me there in previous years, and my my hustle trying to get the the NBL word. When when you get a deal done in Vegas at the Thomas and Mack Center, you're talking to me, right?
1: I will be. You you will be the first man I talk to, mate. I promise.
0: (laughs) I'm getting I'm getting that Perth Wildcats exclusive in the heat of Las Vegas this year. I love it. That's all. That's awesome. You'll be back there. That's great. Yeah, no, it'll be good. Uh, Lastly, man, finish up. NBA Finals start. This week, Celts, Dubs, who you got?
1: It's gonna be an awesome series. It's fantastic to see both those clubs get through. Um, my gut feel it's the Warriors, um, but I wouldn't count out Boston. What they've done—two game sevens in a row—and um, that—that caused obviously the, the Warriors have the cause been there for a long time too. But the Celtics' cause and has been there for a long time, and for them to finally get through to a finals like this. Um, wouldn't count them out. It's going to go six or seven, I think.
0: Okay,
1: it, it, It'll be a really fun series. Nice.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, we're all going to, all going to tune in and um, mate, so good to, to pick your brain. Uh, the, the Wildcats fans in particular, like will be just hanging on every word that you were talking there about the, um, the process and uh, the guys that you've been able to lock in and what potentially might lie ahead. So good luck with the next no, few weeks you. and, nailing some more of these guys down and then um, moving into next season and we'll we'll catch up next month in Vegas.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, that's fun. That'd be good to see you there, mate. Appreciate the time.